Well, good evening, everyone. Thank you for, for coming back. I trust you've all had good weeks. If you were here last week and, and heard the sermon, I trust you've all had weeks full of rest and restoration that you've, that you've woken up late and you've gone to bed early and you just feel 100% just renewed and refreshed. Yeah, that's, as, as Brian said, the Lord's not finished with me yet. So I'm still, still getting there. Um, we're going to continue in Psalm 127. So if you've got your Bibles here, make your, make your way there. We're going to be looking at the, the next three verses, verses 3 to 5. And last week they, they spoke to us about relying on God, about trying to do things in your own strength. And uh, how if we try to do things without God, unless God is doing the work, it's all in vain. It's all worthless. It means nothing. And we even said the Lord works while we sleep. Isn't that fantastic? Even as we sleep, he works. So if we're going to look for God to, to continue to work the work that he started in our lives, we must be willing to give it over to him and not to try and continue in our own strength. Just as Brian has led us this evening, not in his strength, but in God's strength. And so we come to the second verse, uh, the second half of, of the psalm, verses 3 to 5. And I'm going to read them together just to begin us off from the New King James Version. Psalm 127, verses 3 to 5. <coughs> okay. Behold, children okay, are a heritage from the Lord. <coughs> the fruit of the womb is a reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior, so are the children of one's youth. All right? Happy is the man who has his quiver full of them. They shall not be ashamed, but, th- but shall speak with their enemies in the gate. Hang on a second. Did, did I just read the wrong verses? That doesn't make sense. Uh, we were talking about building a house and, and guarding a gate about, about getting sleep in the, in the first two verses. And we take this weird turn and all of a sudden we're talking about children. Hold on. I'm getting there. Don't you worry. Ah, no, no. You know what the link is? Because we're talking about things that, that keep you awake at night and you lose sleep. So obviously that's why it's talking about children. And as you say, I've only got one and he keeps me awake. A lot. Not as much as my wife, but a lot. But that's not it either, is it? The, the reason that it's appropriate to now talk about children is because of the context, because of the, the, the ancient background where in those days, what was the number one sign of your wealth? It was your children. What, what was the number one way that you could, it could be seen in your life that God had blessed you? It wasn't how much money you had, it was your family. You, you, you could have not a, not a penny to your name, but if you had a large family, how could you possibly say that God hasn't been good to you? And uh, remember last week you had this idea of a, a, a man staying up late and, and being anxious, eating the bread of sorrow we, we looked at, the, the bread of anxious toil, trying to, trying to make a secure future for himself. Well, a large family is that secure future. Uh, A large family is that provision that is supposed to give you assurance looking forward. 
It was your pension fund. It was something that you could place your trust in, that things were going to be in okay in the future. Why save up enough money for your retirement? Just have a large family, and, and they'll take care of you. The good old days, huh? We, of course, to me, uh, having a large family might seem like you know retirement and the end is uh, coming a lot quicker, but... The, the idea is that your kids will take uh, take good care of you. And, and you probably think that uh, in 2012, uh, things don't really work like that nowadays, do they? And children are good and aren't they? We, we're mostly having smaller families, aren't we? And uh, that, that might be true for us upper-class uh, Capetonians, but in, in some cultures, that's still a real... Um, understanding of, of, of the role of children in their lives. I remember I was on, on site and talking to um, some of the laborers and almost without exception, they, they all had children back home. They, the guy is five years younger than me and they've got large family. I remember the, there was one truck driver and this was before Sarah and I were, were, were um, uh, looking at having children and we were kind of, I was humming and eyeing, and I was trying to explain to you, oh, I don't know if I can afford it, you know, it's just busy, it was right time, right time. And the guy looked at me, and he was, he was 25, and he had seven kids back home. And he was like, yeah, really, one kid. I don't know if that's for me, but we'll continue in the verses this evening. Verse 3 says, Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord. A heritage from... A heritage is, is obviously something that's, that's passed on to you, usually from another time, uh, another generation. You, you can think of the, the physical characteristics that you have inherited from, from your, your ancestors, from your, your parents, the, the thinning hair or the, the thickening waist that you can blame your, your old man for. I'm, I'm tall and, and both my grandparents were, were six foot and it looks like my, my boy is going to be a tall boy as well. That's... That's something that they've inherited. But a heritage is, is kind of something a little bit more valuable than that. It's, it's something to be cared for and, and maintained and, and, and taken responsibility for. Even though you didn't, you didn't really earn it, you, you were just given it. My, my wife wears a, wears a lovely wedding ring that was passed on to her from, from our side of the family. And, and the idea is, if we can get her to part with it one day, is to pass it on to the next generation. And the, the picture here is that even though we're, we're technically we're, we're the owners of this, this wedding ring, it's, it's, we're really just custodians, if you know what I mean. It's just something that, that, that we're keeping in, in, safe caring, uh, in safekeeping, sorry, and it's something that we're going to pass on to the next generation. And that's what children are. It's Children are a heritage. If you, if you have a child, you didn't create the child really. God created the child. And, and he saw it fit to entrust that child to you, even though the child is actually the Lord's. Remember the Bible says, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it belongs to him. If, if I drive my car, I, I drive it a little bit carelessly and you can see I, I let it rust a bit and, but if I borrow someone's car, I'm the, you should be, I should be taking a lot more care because it's not my car and I've got to give it back. And uh, 
the, the level of care that I, that I place on something that's been loaned to me, okay, is, it, it, it increases with the importance of the person that loaned that thing to me. Do you understand what I'm, what I'm saying? If, if some, some nobody gives me a gift, I, I might not care for it. But if someone really famous or someone important gives me something, it, it, it'll be way more valuable to me and, and I'd better take better care of it. How much more so important are children? Children are a heritage from the Lord himself. So we should consider the, the giver as we take this, this temporary possession of, of the gift. And the other, the other important thing to notice is that it, it's implying more than just your child is a heritage from the Lord because it, 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 it might be easy for, for me to view my precious little angel as a, as a gift to Lord, as a gift from the Lord. But how do I view other children? The, the other little boy in the crash who's going through a, a biting phase or, or the, 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 the little girl who likes to push and, and pick fights every day. And how do I even view the, the place of children in general in society? Are they inferior citizens? Are they, are they juniors? Are they so, things to be seen and, and, and not heard on the corner? As, as a church even, do we, do, we, do we leave the children out there and say, okay, when you're mature and when you're of sound body and mind and, and, and old enough, then we're going to welcome you into our doors. No, we don't do that, do we? If they are a heritage from the Lord, then they're something special. They're, they're gifts that need to be embraced and, and need to be nurtured. Sure, they're, they're, they're young and they have no attention span and they can be a handful to manage in a service, but they need to be shown the way to maturity while they're in our position because they have been given to us from God. So next, uh, remember, remember that the next time uh, my baby is screaming throughout the whole service and uh, Andrew and Nikki are here. I was going to make a case study of them. But they are important. They are an important part of the church. They, they're the future of the church and, and I think we know that. And, and, and just as the Lord has, has given them to us, We've got them in our possession, and we're going to pass the church onto them in the future. And, and you wonder, are we making a lot of decisions in this church? Are, are we making decisions based on the present, the here and now, or are we, are we really being future-minded? Are we thinking of the generation to come? Or are we just trying to bring the church back up to 2012 speed? Do we have this mindset that, that goes forward? The passage goes on to speak about the fruit of the womb being a reward. The fruit of the womb is a reward. Now, that's also it's a, it's a funny thing to call children a, a reward. My child sometimes seems like punishment. If I, I, no, the Bible says that the women have to give birth in um, pain because of punishment for original sin. So. If it's a reward, what is it a reward for? If David has two lovely kids and I have one monster, what, what is he being rewarded for? Has he done twice as much good as I have? It's, 
doesn't seem fair. I, I, I think now I, I think the verse is, is perhaps one of those verses that it's easy to take uh, by itself and, and interpret it in a way that doesn't fit with the rest of Scripture because we need to make uh, one thing clear that I think we all in this room know already. We we don't deserve anything from God. There's no reward. Every good gift we've ever received, every, every good gift we will ever receive in the future, it comes because of His good pleasure. He, he didn't send His Son for us because we deserved it, because we, we earned it. It was to show His nature and His kindness and His sovereignty as well. If you were to go to your parents and if they're believers, you, you would ask them, what is the second greatest gift that God has ever given to them? Obviously, the first would be God's son, Jesus. Your parents would, very in all likelihood, say that the gift is you. That you are a gift. But it's not a reward, is it? In the sense that, that the parents have done something to, to earn children, uh, I was reading a, a blog this week in, in preparation, and it was this um, mother talking about this verse, and, and she said, wow, it says here that children are a reward, and I, I don't know what I did, but I'm just so glad that I did enough right to have these children as a reward. And I kind of cringed, because it kind of takes away the, 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 the blessing of the Lord, doesn't it? It, it? it kind of puts the power in our own hands to do enough good, and as payment, as a reward, then we, then we have children. I like to think of the, the parable of the, the workers in the field. And uh, where the, the, the different workers, despite being employed at, at, at different times and working different hours, they all get paid the same. And at the end, the, the master says, don't I have the right to do what I want with my money? You see, he gives in accordance with his good pleasure and, and his will. Children are all a reward in, in that they are a, a gift of God who, from God who, who enjoys nothing more than to, to bless us and to give good gifts to us, but they are an undeserved reward. Put that way. They're, they're given out of love, not out of payment, out of anything we've done. And, and of course, they're given temporarily because one day he's going to call them back to himself. Verse 4 says, like arrows in the hand of a warrior, so are the children of one's youth. Like arrows in the hands of a warrior. What is with Solomon and warfare? There's all these pictures of, of battle. So my child supposedly is a weapon. I can believe that. He's a weapon of mass destruction, I would say. No, th think, think more along the lines of, of, of my child being something that is, that is useful, put it that way. Something that is, that is of great value. You see, the, 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 the warrior in, in the midst of battle, he, he doesn't regard his arrow as a burden, that's something he's carried along. He doesn't think to himself, gee, I, I wish I had fewer arrows. No, he, I bet, I bet he's extremely grateful for all the arrows that he has with him. And the, and the warrior isn't just carrying around this arrow for, for nothing. They're there for a purpose. 
and 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 just like when the when the time is right, the the warrior is gonna whip out his arrow and unleash it and and and, and send it off. Someday, as parents, we're gonna unleash our arrows into the world as well, and uh, we're gonna pray to God that as we prayed this this morning with student Tenil that those arrows, those children, that they're balanced and that they're sharp and that they fly straight and, and, and true and that they don't go off course. It's a lovely picture of an arrow being sent out. And, okay, my, my child is still young. I, I, I don't think I like to think too much about sending my little, my little arrow off just yet. I'd like to keep them safe and in, my, in, my, in my quiver. But sometime I'm going to have to get used to the idea that he's mine temporarily and, and, and he won't be by my side forever. Because children aren't meant to stay with their parents forever. We know that. They want to, they want to spread their wings and they want to, uh, to find their own space and they want to get out of there. Leave the quiver and, and, and head out. And, and uh, the challenge is, just like you can't change an arrow's course once you've set it out, you had better hope that you had pointed your children in the right direction before they, before they go out. Proverbs 22, verse 6. And remember all we said this morning as well. It says, train up a child in the way he should go. And even when he's old, he won't depart from it. Verse 5 starts with, Happy is the man who has his quiver full of them. Hmm, okay. And I was, I was chatting with, with Ricky um, after the, the service last week, and I said I'd be continuing in, in this, in chapter 127. And she said, Ah, oh, yes, Andrea. Happy is the man who has a, a quiver full of them. You do know a quiver is five, Andrew. And uh, reminding uh, me as my own uh, mother and mother-in-law do often that we've got some catching up to do. And so the verse supposedly says that a man of five children is a happy man. I don't know how that could be. My, my only possible explanation is that if you have five children, the five kids all kind of look after each other and then the mom and dad are left to kind of relax and that's how, it's, how, it's, uh, how it works. Maybe. It, it, it certainly can't be saying that I need to have as many children as humanly possible to increase my happiness to this kind of, you know, unreachable limit. And if that was true, can you imagine the sort of overpopulation we'd be having on this planet? So I, I don't know that uh, having millions of kids is, is really the answer. But actually, a little, little side road here. I read a, I read a thing a while back, it was one of these like Freakonomics type books, and it said as a as a you know educated first world um, family, the solution is actually to have as many kids as you, <laughs> as you can, because it's those educated kids that are going to be growing up and solving the world's problems. And 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 I wonder if, if we, we we buy into that from a from a spiritual point of view as well. Sometimes you know you you, you can think of people. I I know people who you want the church to be. Full, you want people to come in the doors? Go out and make those people. Have them, raise them, bring them to the Lord. And there's nothing wrong with that. I'm, I'm not going to say how, how, how big a, a family should be. That, that, that's between you and the Lord. But uh, I will echo what the verse has said. 
happy is the man. Whether your family is, is one strong, whether your, your family is, is 20 strong, whether you are an only child, whether you have millions of siblings, the family is still a good thing. Children are still a blessing, a, a cause for, for joy and for, for gratitude and for happiness. You, you, you may have kids, you, you might not be married, you might not have kids, but you are still a child, you still have parents. I, how do you relate to your parents? I, are you the blessing to your family? Do you add happiness to your, to your family unit? You see, the, the verse continues to say, They shall not be ashamed, but shall speak with their enemies in the gate. Okay, a kind of cryptic ending to the, to the chapter. Listen to how the, the message translates the last part of verse 5. It says, Oh, how blessed are you parents with your quivers full of children. Your enemies don't stand a chance against you. You will sweep them right off your doorstep. And, and whatever you think of the, the message translation, it sure knows how to make a point. That there is power in a strong family. Again, I'm not talking about a family that is, that is, that is large in number, but a, a family that's got the right view of, of children, where, where, where children are raised properly and they're not passed off as burdens onto teachers and, and, and support staff and, and whoever. Uh, a family where the parents install the God-given principles that were passed on to them from their parents, hopefully, and their children will pass on to the next generation. Where there is strength and, and unity and support. A, a family that, that, that holds each other together through Christ, Jesus, can stand against all attacks. And that's the imagery we're talking about. So to close, what, what have we thought about this evening? Psalm 27 is... Is uh, 127 is is all about a man trying to work in vain to achieve something by himself to 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 build a house to to guard a city compared with God's provision for us and it was really great that Brian started with the first P God's provision. I've I've hesitated to to use the word. Uh, prosperity until now because a, 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 chapter, a chapter like this is often kind of misused to, to talk on, on prosperity but, but really that's, that's what the verses are, are talking about it's talking about prospering in the Lord and, it, and it's been interesting to see what a focus those last three verses have, have made of children it seemed like a bit of a strange thing to, to throw in there but would it be safe to say that the, in terms of your provision, does, doesn't God care more about your family than he does about what you do, your, your workplace? Would it be overstating the matter to, to say that God's greatest provision for us outside of, of Christ Jesus himself is the family we find ourselves in? I think we've been truly blessed, and I, and I think of, of, of this place as well, and the, the strong families that, 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 are, that are present, and, and the examples that they, they show for us, and for me, looking at, at, at moving forward. And, and I think, as to close, I, I'd, I'd just like to, 
to pray for the families of Medway. So can we bow our heads in, in prayer?